Thanks for tuning in. From Municipal World, I'm Susan Gardner. This is the MW Shares podcast, where we share your stories, providing insights into the challenges and opportunities facing local governments and communities just like yours. The MW Shares podcast is powered by Sure Microphones. Thanks for joining us for another special episode of MW Shares, where we're working to keep listeners up to date on the municipal pandemic response. Today, we're excited to have Jody Johnson back with us. Jody is the Director of Legal Services for Halton Region, and this is the 18th in a series of weekly episodes with Jody to provide a recap and the latest updates on what municipalities are currently dealing with in response to COVID-19. In today's episode, we'll be talking about a bunch of stuff, including yesterday's important federal provincial funding announcement, more updates on masks, the move to stage three in Ontario, and an update on what we're seeing in the Atlantic bubble. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, Susan. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. Um, another busy week, huh? It has been a busy week uh, all around, both for me uh, in my my day to day job, my council, uh, as you alluded to, we we dealt with uh, uh, masks at the council meeting this this week, and we'll chat a little bit about that. So that was uh, that was busy for us, and and lots going on, and in, in seeing what's happening with all of the other activities, including the funding. Uh, announcement yesterday and uh, in thinking about stage three uh, coming and in, in moving uh, through Ontario. Yes. Well, the the uh, the funding announcement yesterday afternoon, um, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau announced a $19 billion funding package going out to the provinces. And um, a, a good portion of that money, we're hoping, is earmarked for uh, municipal needs. Uh, the details are still uh, to come. We, we're not sure uh, what the what the arrangement is going to be, what the provincial uh, portion of the uh, uh, of the funding. We're assuming there may be some matching funds required. Um, FCM and AMO have uh, put out uh, some statements yesterday. Uh, policy update from AMO uh, indicating that uh, you know good news. Um, but uh, we're hoping to see the details soon. It certainly is a good news announcement. It's uh, it's been uh, a long a long time over the past uh, number of weeks and, and couple of months of, of municipalities and, and and the groups like AMO and, and FCM and the other provincial municipal associations all working together to uh, to press uh, for for funding and to have uh, have the federal government understand uh, the real real needs uh, in the communities and and this is a this is a great example of cooperation uh, across uh, and between municipalities and in for municipalities with uh, with those other levels of government but as you said the details are are where uh, where it will be and, and as those come out over the next little while we'll see what uh, what this looks like for municipalities but i understand uh, from the materials release that uh, the, that the 19 billion um, division uh, across the country, uh, approximately 7 billion of that will be uh, for Ontario. And, and as you indicated, we don't know yet exactly how that will uh, unfold and, and roll out to municipalities, but in the, uh, the the areas that the funding is is at least earmarked for in the initial announcement, there certainly uh, looks like there's uh, money for municipalities for some really important work uh, and in relief that needs to happen. 
Absolutely. And um, uh, specifically transit, of course, we know that uh, municipalities with transit systems uh, have been experiencing significant losses uh, as uh, those revenues continue to uh, be at a low level. People haven't resumed their uh, full return to using public transit and uh, those systems are still operating because there are people who need them. Um, but municipalities are at the stage now when they're where they are considering, um, you know, what kinds of services will uh, need to be cut in the community, what kinds of uh, things they're currently offering they may not be able to offer. And some have already made some decisions about those things, um, you know, pending as uh, the the flow of those funds. Those are definitely important areas for funding, and and the other areas, uh, some of the other areas mentioned, including uh, use of that money for uh, things like long term care, for mental health, for homelessness. Those are also uh, areas that uh, will impact municipalities and involve municipal service delivery, um, uh, and and promoting and supporting wellness in the community. So these are all uh, all important things, and and uh, be looking. Uh, forward very much to seeing uh, how how this is going to unfold and and what we'll be able to uh, put into action uh, at the municipal level uh, in in very short order. So hopefully we'll see um, some details on that um, in uh, the not too distant future, the days ahead, and uh, we'll be uh, discussing it then. Some important uh, updates uh, this week on masks. Um, I, maybe we'll start with uh, the announcement in Quebec this week uh, that masks are going to be uh, required in indoor spaces right across the province. This is a, a decision by the provincial government. And interestingly, uh, we've talked before that this has been a little bit of a political hot potato. Uh, there were a lot of, um, there was in fact a, a petition on change.org and there were uh, many submissions made to the uh, Quebec Ombudsman uh, challenging uh, this decision and uh, the Ombudsman's office uh, has given a, a strong show of support, endorsed the province's decision. The, they've said it, the decision to make masks obligatory in indoor public spaces to limit the spread of the coronavirus is reasonable. Uh, and uh, so they've uh, issued a statement of support of that. Change.org, where the petition was uh, was was being posted, has uh, taken that petition down. They said it's inconsistent uh, with the intent of their site, and uh, they in fact called uh, the folks out who had posted it for uh, fear mongering and spreading false information. So very uh, very positive. A sign of support for uh, political folks who have made the decision, I think. I think so. And it's interesting that we see uh, the provincial government in Quebec um, using that as a across the board and across the province requirement, uh, as we've we've talked about previously uh, in Ontario, uh, many, many of the municipalities and the municipal uh, mayors groups were encouraging the province of Ontario to uh, put in place a a requirement at the provincial level and that didn't happen. And then we've seen since that time uh, a whole range of municipalities putting in um, and enacting bylaws for mandatory masking and in in indoor public uh, places. Uh, We talked about last week um, some medical officers of health using orders or instructions. So there's been a real real range of activity. And and in the time since we spoke last week, there's been uh, 
quite a, a few municipalities that have had this issue come to their councils um, for for consideration, and and they we've seen a, a several more uh, mandatory mask bylaws uh, be put in place over the past week, including the region of Halton. Tell including us about that. the region of Halton, yes, uh, on uh, on Wednesday at uh, at its meeting, regional council enacted a bylaw. Uh, to require masks in indoor public uh, public places. Uh, the bylaw comes into effect next Wednesday on the 22nd of July. Um, it requires everybody um, five and, uh, and over to be wearing masks or for parents um, uh, to be ensuring their children five and over wearing those masks in enclosed public places. Um, there are uh, a number of exemptions uh, in the bylaw, um, things that we've seen across many other municipalities. Um, if the person has an underlying medical condition that would inhibit you know, their ability to breathe in any way. Um, a provision exempting um, people if they may experience a negative impact to their emotional well-being or mental health, if they have a disability, um, if, they, um, if they have a, uh, a reason um, you know, in, a, in, a, in a way that they would uh, be unable to put the mask on or remove it without assistance. So there are a number of exemptions and there's a, a provision in the bylaw that says that no person shall be discriminated against for not wearing a non-medical mask due to an exemption. And, um, you know, ensuring, well, uh, you know, they'll want to be a, an assurance that people are, are kind uh, and people understand that there are exemptions and there are are some people that um, may not be be wearing a mask, and and that will be uh, a focus of some of the education uh, in in the community and the the information that that comes out. But there is a period of time right now in our community for people to get ready. Uh, the bylaw applies to both businesses to require uh, businesses that fall within the definition of a public place to have a policy um, about the wearing of of those masks, uh, and it also applies to individuals. So our bylaw. Uh, really is is dual purpose. Uh, we've seen, for example, in the city of Toronto, its bylaw applies uh, to businesses requiring businesses to have a policy. In the region of Waterloo, uh, its bylaw applies to persons. So the Halton bylaw applies to both. Applies to both. So uh, yes. <clears throat> what does that uh, what does that mean for uh, enforcement, Jody? Just uh, to get an idea of how that how that's going to work. In terms of enforcement, the, the main focus is going to be education uh, and education for businesses, education for individuals to understand uh, where it applies and, 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 and encourage people to comply with the bylaw uh, and, and to, uh, to, to really, uh, really carry out that activity of mask wearing uh, when in, in public places. There are some places that don't fall uh, within the definition of public place and that's something else uh, people uh, will familiarize themselves with. For example, churches, mosques, synagogues, temples, and places of worship um, uh, are, are included, community centers, libraries, banquet halls. Um, there's a whole range of, of places that are included, like uh, public transportation and private transportation, like taxis and limousine services and ride sharing. Um, but places that are not public places, things like schools, hospitals, staff only areas within a public place, uh, day camps, daycares. Um, so so there's, there is a little bit of, of education uh, to happen for people to understand when and where it applies. Um, and, and really people will uh, have access to that information through the region's website uh, and, and be able to understand when it applies, where it applies and, and how they need to, to work with the bylaw in the community. Sounds like a great approach, and uh, I think as we've uh, discussed uh, quite a few times, 
the public education part and, um, you know, seeking uh, cooperation uh, in compliance uh, through that uh, public outreach and uh, uh, communication exercise uh, has in many communities led to a very high degree of compliance. So um, congratulations to you on, uh, on seeing that piece of uh, work through in, in Halton. Well, thank you very much and, and congratulations really to our council for its, uh, its, its leadership and, and, and excellent discussion about the bylaw and, and for you know, enacting the bylaw unanimously uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, great, to, great to see. And we know, uh, we know from the discussions uh, everywhere on this topic, it's not an easy decision, but uh, an important one uh, where we find ourselves uh, at this point in time. Particularly, um, you know, it, we're uh, moving to stage three in uh, Ontario now. Uh, most most parts of the province are moving to stage three. There's a few areas that are. Uh, that did were delayed in moving to stage two. So again, they're being held back a little bit um, uh, as as we monitor the the local conditions and spread. But uh, moving to stage three in most of the province, what kind of changes is that uh, looking like for municipalities? I think for municipalities, this is a a lot more economic activities, a lot uh, a lot more businesses open. It, it potentially has the the impact of more people taking things like public transit uh, to to get to and from work and to get out uh, and engage in economic activity in the community. Um, so it, it it really means looking at how we're doing those things safely, uh, what uh, what what policies are put in place, what. Uh, what types of programs uh, and, and municipal facilities are, are reopening, uh, albeit with some differences. We've seen uh, in some communities across the province um, uh, swimming facilities, and I know we've talked a lot about beaches, but we've seen now um, things like pools and splash pads being open with uh, different rules and regulations. We're seeing some municipalities reopening community centers um, to, to certain activities. So we're we're seeing a lot, um, you know, a lot more um, uh, activity with people out and around, uh, and and participating uh, with others in activities in the community. We see indoor dining, um, again with uh, with restrictions and limitations, uh, but we see that coming uh, in stage three, and uh, and and things people are, I think, quite anxious to get back uh, to doing. It'll be interesting to see how everybody adapts to you know what what's being called the the new normal and and uh and how this will unfold but i think it's good news for uh for communities for uh for businesses for the economy and and people uh, as we've talked about throughout this pandemic need to be need to be patient uh need to be kind we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of move uh asking people to support their local economies and their local businesses um so it, it will be interesting to see over the next couple of of months how this uh, how this unfolds now we're going to take a short break before getting into the rest of the conversation with Jody Johnson. Municipal World's executive membership delivers a powerful toolkit for managing Canada's towns and cities. You get the most complete suite of print and online news, plus high-impact communication services and exclusive member content, as well as information to help you and your community stay a step ahead. 
Executive membership is sized to fit your organization from 5 to 50 users per membership. And members report saving an average of $1,287 per year just on job postings. It's a smart investment that can quickly pay for itself. Become a member today. Does your municipality have COVID-19 resource materials to share with other communities for reference? Examples might include bylaws, communications and news releases, reports, memos to council, to name just a few. Municipal World is managing a central repository for such documents as a resource for the municipal community as they develop their responses to the pandemic. You can log into your account to access the resource page where you can view and contribute documents. You can find it at municipalworld.com slash coronavirus dash docs. Without further delay, let's jump back into that conversation with Jody. We talked about uh, Quebec earlier. Um, Quebec has some early experience with, uh, you know, opening up uh, indoor uh, bars and restaurants and um, some uh, a surge of cases there related to um, uh, to bars and uh, you know from a public health perspective they're uh, in the interest of you know keeping a, a, a lid on uh, the virus while it's still out there uh, there are concerns that uh, you know as we move to these stages people may be starting to tune out public health messages uh, around the use of masks and hand washing and physical distancing. But, uh, you know, despite this reopening of the, the economy, these things are still really important. So something definitely to keep an eye on, as, as you indicated, we've seen in Quebec and places like, you know, like bars and nightclubs are, are not necessarily conducive to, um, you know, the, the, the physical distancing and staying away and not, you know, you know, speaking very closely with each other. And those are, those are places where people do like to get together and, and convene and dance and sing and, and things that, um, you know, the message has been are, are, are ways potentially to, to spread the, the virus. So keeping an eye on that for sure. Um, and and that, that complacency and, and idea that, you know, people are, are perhaps tired, um, are, are perhaps, you know, it's, it's become maybe normal, more normalized, um, the message. So people perhaps are, are just uh, being a little, little, more relaxed than they were um, and, and concern about about young people with that message. I mean, I'm the mother of a 20 year old and 20 year old, uh, he's thinking he's a little bit invincible and he's like, oh, what, you know, why do I need to worry about all of that? And, you know, really trying to reiterate the message to him. And, and I suspect he's not unique amongst his his peers. And he, he really is sometimes looking at it as, you know, isn't this a little bit too much, mom? And we have we have some long discussions about why it's important and not just for him, but the people around him and the people he interacts with at his place of work and at home and um, continuing that message. So it's a, certainly a conversation in my house about not letting his guard down too quickly. I suspect it's a, a, it's a conversation going on in a lot of households and, um, you know, uh, important for us all to uh, uh, remember in all of this that, you know, it's not just a personal health exercise, it is a social responsibility uh, exercise that we're doing it uh, to protect each other. So um, I, uh, I I think a lot of families uh, uh, will be or should be having those conversations as uh, things begin to open up a little bit more. A lot of people are excited to be uh, 
a lot of people are excited to be traveling uh, a little bit now uh, as well, even if it's not uh, international travel. Um, we do know that there are some uh, recent concerns with uh, air travel and uh, uh, folks coming in who may not have uh, quarantined uh, as required and uh, have uh, you know brought some cases into communities as a result of uh, recent flights. So that's a concern. It, it is, and, and especially as you said, as people start to think about traveling a little bit more and traveling uh, within provinces and between provinces and, and, and you know, thinking about the risk every, everybody's willing to take themselves. Um, you know, when, when there has been a, a case that's been confirmed, they've been on a, on a flight that, that impacts, you know, potentially everybody around them and the people that have been on that flight. And it's, uh, it's going to be a tough balance between choosing to, to travel and, and travel by air um, and other means of travel when you're traveling uh, communally with others. Um, and, and that, that may impact communities along the way. We've seen uh, recently a flight between Toronto and Atlantic Canada. We've seen some flights uh, in, in areas of British Columbia. And, and then once people get off the flight and, and disperse into the community, um, you know, before, uh, before communications can happen and, and before people are alerted, there can uh, the potential for spread that way. So people are, you know, again, urging that, that ultra caution and, and, you know, wearing your mask on the flight and practicing uh, good hand hygiene. And, you know, it's hard to distance when you're you know, sitting in rows between people, but doing the best you can to try to keep yourself and others safe. It's going to be important. Absolutely. Um, Rick Mercer uh, recently did a, a rant on uh, the tourism industry in Canada and uh, highlighting how, uh, you know, these, uh, these changes, the border uh, this week has also been uh, announced that the border with the U.S. has been, uh, the closure has been extended now, I think, until August 21st. So, um, obviously, uh, an impact on on tourism and uh, Rick Mercer was encouraging people to explore those areas in uh, their own backyard and uh, uh, kind of, you know, encouraging us to spend, you know, at least half of what we would have spent when we were traveling to those other places, spend it at home, spend it in your province and uh, help uh, help keep those tourism industries uh, alive while we uh, go through this. That's a great message, and I know one uh, one message I've seen uh, coming up uh, quite recently. I've seen it in a number of places uh, uh, in in the media as an advertisement uh, for Prince Edward Island, and it's uh, it's got a great video of all sorts of fantastic things to do and see in PEI. And I think uh, if I have this right or close to right, the the line on it is uh, "Press play when we're ready," and it's a uh, you press play and see the video, but it's a it's a bit of a teaser of you know we're looking forward to seeing you, we're looking forward to to having you come when it's time. Think about us, uh, but but for now, you know perhaps the message is stay, stay where you are, uh, enjoy some things closer to home, but we'll see you in a while. And I, I think I thought that was a really interesting message, and it certainly caught my attention, uh, having seen it over the last week. Yes, I think um, you know it's uh, it's great that we can you know still contemplate that at some point in the future but it's important to understand that uh, there are still there are still travel restrictions in place in uh, uh, many of these places um, many provincial borders are now open to cross Canada visitors not the case in Atlanta Canada though they are uh, still uh, inside the Atlantic bubble
Yes, I did see this week a headline that said Atlantic bubble still holding. Um, and that's a, a decision uh, of the provinces in that area to, to stick together in their bubble. Um, I know not not uh, everybody I've seen in the reports is is uh, happy with it, but I think it's uh, it, it it's working for them. Uh, and, and maybe we'll see a, a relaxation of that later on in the summer. But uh, but for now, that that seems to to still be the message of, you know, we're going to enjoy our our connection with each other and come see us later. Well, I think, uh, you know, as we've uh, seen throughout this, it really is a case of uh, different jurisdictions, different areas uh, of the country and within our uh, provinces and and territories and uh, even regions within that, that uh, this really does require a unique approach, uh, unique to uh, the needs of particular uh, particular communities. There are communities that are still struggling. We know um, Windsor-Essex, for example, they're still struggling with the uh, outbreak in the agricultural industry. Um, there, you know, there's uh, some confusion about jurisdiction there. Is it the provincial uh, responsibility? What are municipalities there supposed to be doing? Um, so it, uh, it continues to be a difficult time, but um, as things begin to open up, hopefully, um, some relief and um, uh, opportunities for vacation and uh, all of that. I certainly hope so. And uh, that relief will be coming. I, I heard this morning on the news, uh, I believe it was in Saskatchewan, that there's uh, some, some concern about some increasing numbers in some of the rural areas and rural communities. And I think that's something they'll be keeping an eye on. But as I, as I think about you know, my, own, my own upcoming holidays and staying you know, relatively local to uh, to, to Southern Ontario. Um, I, I'm also being very mindful about, you know, any place I may go. Um, I personally myself, I'm going to check uh, the websites of the, the local municipalities that I might be planning to visit. And I want to understand what their rules are in their community and, and what uh, what requirements are in place and, and certainly plan to be um, completely respectful of, of whatever the requirements are for things like masking, whatever um, you know the local local area is asking um, about uh, you know how one conducts himself in their community, and I want to make sure that uh, whatever might be going on where I live um, may not be the same, and, and I may want to understand what what's happening elsewhere. So I, I think if people you know can think about that as well, there may be even small differences and small nuances between communities, even in a, a same a relatively small local area. So I think if we can can get that message out as well, and and, and have people think about where they're going and who they're potentially impacting. I think that will be helpful also. So those are uh, great suggestions, Jody. And, um, you know, I think very timely to this week, we heard um, in Kelowna because of some cases that were brought in there, the, uh, the mayor was speaking about it and uh, the, the provincial medical officer of health and uh, all of that that you described is what we're today calling appropriate travel manners. Uh, check out the requirements in the, uh, the area you're visiting, uh, check out what they're uh, encouraging and requiring and uh, behave like a local. Uh, absolutely. And I plan to to do that uh, and and be well mannered and and still, um, you know, make my contribution to the local economy, uh, you know, as best as I can where I where I would visit. Well, 
This is uh, this has been another great chat today, and uh, uh, I know that uh, at the end of next week you're um, you're going to be heading on vacation, but we'll be touching base one more time before then. So uh, I look forward to uh, our conversation next week. For sure, Susan. I look forward to probably one of the last things I do before a vacation. Uh, we'll be talking to you. And uh, <laughs> thanks, Jody. Have a great week. You too. I want to thank Jody Johnson for taking the time to sit down and chat with us, and thank you for listening. If you found the information in today's episode useful, we hope you'll please drop us a note to let us know, or give us a shout on Twitter, at Municipal World. Until next time, I'm Susan Gardner. This is MW Shares. Please stay healthy, stay safe. <laughs>